Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm your host, Claire Navarro. Last week on Hold That Thought, we continued our series on language with a look at American Sign Language. This week, we continue our focus on ASL with Dr. Richard Meyer. My name is Richard Meyer. I'm a uh, professor at the University of Texas at Austin, where I'm the chair of the linguistics department. A recent paper of Dr. Meyer's begins with something you might not expect, a description of Caravaggio's masterpiece, The Calling of St. Matthew. In the painting, Jesus and Peter both dramatically point to Matthew. From the opposite end of a table, Matthew, who is richly dressed as a tax collector, points to himself, as if to say, who, me? Even without knowing what words are exchanged, with gesture alone, Caravaggio clearly depicts the action of the scene. And it is this use of gesture that fascinates Dr. Meyer. All of us, deaf or hearing, use gesture that, in the case of hearing individuals, are likely to accompany their spoken conversation. Many such gestures exist. Think of waving hello and goodbye, for example. But one area of Meyer's recent research specifically focuses on the type of gesture found in the calling of St. Matthew, pointing. Pointing is a very fundamental aspect of human communication. So at nine months or 10 months, children start to point. And at that age, children already know that when they see somebody else point, they don't look at the hand, they look in the direction of the point. For many of us, these pointing gestures most often accompany spoken words. For a basic example, when you're moving houses, you don't just point to boxes, but instead say things like, please move this first, or this one's fragile. But what about pointing in American Sign Language or other signed languages? In languages that are made up of physical movements, is a gesture like pointing a word, or is it something else? It's a hard question. How do we determine the linguistic status of that gesture in ASL when it looks so much like the gesture that hearing people use as an accompaniment of speech? Finding answers to this type of question can be surprisingly difficult. Here's where Dr. Meyer's work comes in. Part of the force of my research is, has been to suggest that a lot of pointing gestures become incorporated into ASL. So, for example, all of us will point to ourselves to indicate me, and that gesture then becomes a pronoun for me or I in ASL. This example with pronouns has some fascinating research implications. Let's jump into one recent experiment. One particular area of research that I'm really excited about that a student of mine has led in recent years, this is a student named Aaron Shield. And in a paper that Aaron and I and a faculty member at Boston University have in submission now, uh, we're reporting on pointing behaviors in deaf autistic children. Here, it's important to know that children with ASD, or autism spectrum disorder, often have a hard time with pronouns. When referring to themselves, these kids will often say their own name instead of me, or a noun like man or teacher instead of the word you. The student Meyer mentioned, Aaron Shields, is now a postdoc in psychology at Boston University. 
He and Meyer's collaborator is Helen Taker-Flusberg, a professor at BU who focuses on autism. The team wanted to know whether children who used sign language had the same type of trouble with pronouns as speaking children with ASD. What Aaron did was he visited deaf children who have an autism spectrum disorder. He brought his iPad, he took a picture of the kid on the iPad, and then later in the experiment, he would show the picture on the iPad to the child. This experiment replicated a very similar study with hearing children. When shown a picture of themselves on the iPad and asked the question, who is this? Children without autism typically don't have a problem. They say or sign something along the lines of, that's me. However, children with autism find this task difficult. But why does this happen? One theory has been that in spoken language, pronouns can be confusing. The English word Y-O-U is not completely transparent. It sounds just like some other words. There's nothing about the form of the pronoun that clues the kid in as to what the pronoun refers to. In contrast, the ASL pronouns, the ASL pointing sounds, are quite transparent. They seem like they should be immediately obvious to anyone. With this information in mind, it might make sense that a deaf child with an autism spectrum disorder would be better at this task than his or her hearing peers. Since pointing to oneself is a pretty understandable way to say me, perhaps pronouns in American Sign Language would be easier for these kids to understand and use. But what were the results? In ASL, the result that we're now reporting is that children avoid these pointing signs, will often use a name rather than a pronoun, rather than pointing to himself, and has the same difficulty when asked to identify the picture of the experiment or the addressee. So here the appropriate response would be the ASL pointing sign that we translate as you, and the child with ASD has great difficulty producing that. So even though the pronouns me and you in American Sign Language are gestures that seem understandable and almost universal, something about autism keeps these kids from using those gestures. Interestingly, the same is not true for other types of pointing signs. We can also show that in other contexts they can point to objects, but they don't like pointing to people. Pointing to people, pointing to self, pointing to the addressee turns out to be very hard for these kids. So now the issue we've got to figure out is why is it hard? More research has to be done to fully understand what's going on here. But Meyer and his colleagues have some theories. It's hard perhaps because that child's developing sense of self is somehow implicated in autism, in autism spectrum disorders. We don't have a full explanation for why that is, but what we know now, I think, from the work on uh, ASL is we can't attribute the results in English or in other spoken languages to the opacity of pronouns in those languages. Now when we have la data from a language like, like ASL in which pronouns seem quite transparent, still the child with ASD has significant issues with those pronouns. And so I think that helps us to understand what the nature of the disorder is. Especially with this evidence in mind, it appears that the pointing signs for me and you are very much incorporated into the structure of ASL. And this isn't unique to American Sign Language. 
As two of Meyer's students are discovering, the process of gestures being conventionalized into signed languages is still ongoing today within newer sign languages. Two of my students, Lynn Hu and uh, Kate Mesh, are documenting a emerging sign language that's being used in a Chatino-speaking community of Oaxaca in Mexico. This emergent sign language resulted from necessity. Around the world, signed languages have arisen when deaf people confront the basic human need to communicate, and this small community in Mexico is no exception. But there are 10 individuals, uh, 10 deaf individuals in this relatively small community. They uh, have a sign system, and what we want to know, what Kate and Lynn want to know, is what are the properties of that sign system. So Lynn Hu is going to be looking at how children uh, acquire the language or elaborate the language. Kate Mesh is looking at how gesture is used in the general Chatino-speaking population may be incorporated into the new sign language, how deaf people or signing individuals may adapt uh, gestures that are more widely known and make them fundamental parts of uh, this emergent sign language. This work in Mexico relies in part on anthropological linguistics, which Meyer studied here at Washington University in St. Louis for his master's degree. But whatever the approach or combination of approaches, Meyer believes that understanding more about language and communication, including gestures such as pointing, is a fundamental way to know more about what makes us human. A lot of the lang human languages spoken and signed are not well described, but yet they are really a fundamental part of our um, cultural legacy. And to understand who we are as a species, we really need to uh, fully understand and document and explain the kind of linguistic richness that our species has. Many thanks to Richard Meyer for contributing to Hold That Thought. For more podcasts on language and many more ideas to explore, visit holdthatthought.wustl.edu. That's holdthatthought.wustl.edu. You can also search for Hold That Thought on Facebook and Twitter or find our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and prx.org.